Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk to Recorded live. Hello and welcome. Today is Friday, October 27th, 2017. Yes. And I am here with Christopher Moses, um, and we are talking about his book. And uh, let me get over to the book outline here. All right. Today we're going to be talking about Chapter 6, which is titled, What Works and Why. All right. So um, anyway, good. Hi, Chris. Hi. (laughs) That talk shoe thing, after a while, you know, when you hear it, you go, Talk shoes. <laughs> well, recorded live. Now, to me, there's no other way to record it besides live. Right. Can you record right. it in the past or the future? Right, right, right. It's sort of one of those like jumbo shrimp kind of things, you know. Yeah. So, so you think of all the, the how easy it would be if it said talk shoe recorded yesterday. Then all you do is listen <laughs> to it. Right. Right. That's funny. Okay. I need tea this morning. So, all right. So today we're going to talk about Chapter 6, which is about what works and why. And it starts out, the outline here, um, by saying, use the rage of the past to fix the future. What the heck are you talking about there, Chris? <laughs> well, a couple of things. So I, I think in, in people's careers and then even their home life or any time in, in their life, you just kind of get mad about things and, and you get frustrated and grumpy and, and sometimes you take it out on other people. Maybe, you know, maybe uh, you, you go out and kick a cat or something. Hopefully they don't do that. But I know people abuse animals because of their rage and they, they feel so that's how they get rid of it. But with all that rage that you have in there, sit down. Let's plan. Let's let's say this this is all your emotions. You can use all that negative, horrible, mean emotions to go, do something about it. Instead of sitting there expressing your anger, use that energy to make your world a better place. One one of the things that I say to people uh, is that insanity, which makes people mad all the insane stuff around there, is the easy stuff. And sanity, to get to there, it's going to hurt. If it doesn't hurt, you're not going to any sane places. For example, uh, in the benefits world, uh, one of the biggest contributors to the cost of benefits is unhealthy behaviors like smoking, eating at a Chinese buffet every day, lots of pizza, high cholesterol, all that other stuff. Well, that's right. insane. We we know that's bad. It even says it on the on the cigarette package these days. This will kill you, and people still smoke it because it's easy. It's insane. But changing that behavior, using the rage from going to your doctor and him saying how horrible your health is, and you're mad at him. Well, use all that to change, to become sane. And it's not going to be easy. That's why you have Alcoholics Anonymous and smoker sensations and all these other things, because it's not easy to change and not easy to be sane. Right, right. Well, you know, they say that anger is a catalyst. You know, it's it like anger, anger can cause things to happen faster, you know. Yep. So, um, yeah. So how do you use that rage? Like, okay, I'm upset, I'm pissed off, you know, I'm in an insane environment, I want it to be sane, and I want it to be humane. Um, Boy, I'll tell you what. Um, Okay, so one of the first things you have here is it says you have a voice, use it. So it sounds like what you're saying is speak up. Speak up. If, if, let's say you're... you're, uh... Uh, those unhealthy behaviors. And remember, we, I think we talked about the five friends before. You become an average of your five friends. Right, right. Charlie right. Tremendous Jones said that. Yeah, so 
You have, you have those five friends around you, and those five friends are going to say, hey, let's go have a smoke. Well, no, speak up. It's not me, guys. I, I'm, I'm changing. We're just, I'm going to become sane on these, on these items. If things mm-hmm. are impacting you, the way that your boss is talking to you, I think we talked about this in other parts of the book, you need to bring it up. You're never, well, never, but high, highly low, low, low probability that you're going to be fired for expressing an opinion. And if your boss doesn't change because they're yelling at you or they're being crazy like that Tony guy that we talked about, right. then you need to go. You need to make the decision. Use that rage to go find a new new job. Start a company. Write a book about your old boss. Right. Have fun with it. <laughs> right. You know, when you, said, when you said speak out, the first thing I thought about is that chapter, I can't remember which chapter it is right now, you know, but um, Tony was like, you know, called you in, and he's yelling at you, and you said, Tony, stop yelling. I'm right here. I can hear you, you know. Yep. And he says, well, I'm just expressing. And you say, you're spitting on me, Tony, you know, right? Did yeah. you always speak up to Tony, or was that like no. like you had to kind of like, you know, something That was my rage. Was I, I went, my, my first two meetings with him, I let him get away with it. So I thought, okay. well, this is interesting. And I, like, you get so shocked. You're like, holy crap, you got this guy who's worth a gazillion dollars screaming at you. And, and I've never been in a meeting with a CEO that acted like a three-year-old. Right. So I, I, th- I thought it was maybe he was having a bad day. Then number, the second meeting, same thing, bad day. Uh, and then the third meeting, you know, I said, this is a pattern. We're done. And, and I, was, I was okay because in my mind, I'm like, I, I can't deal with this. I'm not going to meet with this guy and get yelled at all the time for things that I shouldn't be getting yelled at. He just wants to be a jerk about it. And I was, I was comfortable that he may fire me. And I'm like, that's fine because I need my sanity. And I'm not going to go deal all day with all anger. And there's another interesting thing. I have a, I have a meeting at 11 with somebody. We're going to talk about work stress. I just did a little Google search on work stress last night just to make sure I had my, my ducks in a row. And there's so many things that happen when you get stressed. High blood pressure, rashes on your skin, you can't sleep. Like he, he is self, it's self-inflicted wound for the company because he's self-insured and you're paying all this health benefits, but you're causing it. Maybe, you know, if you calm down, look at all the money he would save. Probably millions. Right. The number one drug at, at that company is antidepressants. So let's say your reader has been putting up with it for six months or a year or five years, right? And now they're reading this book by Christopher Moses, and it says, use the rage. You have a voice. Use it. How do you sort of like summon up that courage to do that the first time? They just have they have. I mean, they have to think to themselves that they want to get to that better place. What are you going to do to get there? If you're 400 pounds and you've been heavy for your whole life, you have to decide to change. It's up to you. You have to take that personal responsibility to own your environment and then let certain people in the environment and kick other people out. I think what, what people should do a lot more than they do right now is kick people out. It, it sounds mean and harsh. But if they're bringing you down, if they're causing you stress, if you're not enjoying your life, then find new friends or find new companies or find new bosses. Yeah, it's amazing how people really do think they're stuck, you know. Yeah, right? I'm going to read that right. here to you. I was you know, talking... I Go ahead, go ahead. So I was talking to this, this girl I went to, to high school with a uh, long, long time ago. And... Um, it's it's like four in the morning. I'm up and she's up. This is like a few days ago, and she works in a factory, which according incorporated in in Virginia. And she she told me how much she just hates her job and everything. And I said, well, go get another one. She says, well, I'm stuck, uh, and I I can't leave because I I make good money, so it's twenty three dollars an hour. But she used to work sixty to eighty hours a week, you know, in overtime. And like I told her, that's that's because. That's what you want. You want to, to make the money, and you want to live that lifestyle. You want to work at a whole company. And we finally got to the end after about 20 minutes on the, the texting back and forth on Facebook. So she's like, you know, you're right. What I need to do is sell everything, 
get as much money as I can and move to Florida, start over. No van in the river. She needs to get an apartment. But people, they, 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 get, they get comfortable in that stuff, and, they, and then they accept it, the, the horrible work environment, the horrible people they work with, the yellers, the screamers, the crybabies. They're all around you. Stop accepting it. And, and the truth is, is like if she succeeded one time, she can succeed again. Of course. You know, and like working for that one company where she feels, mm-hmm. you know, she's been successful, that's not necessarily anomaly. I mean, she's a, a successful person. Yeah, she's successful. She's, she's done well, and, and she can learn to live differently. She doesn't need – I did the math at 23 – Dollars an hour, all that overtime. That's forty-six thousand a year. Well, no, it's more like eighty-some thousand dollars. Let's figure eighty to one hundred thousand dollars. You count in all the overtime that's being paid. Oh, okay, she, that's a lot of overtime. Yeah, so I figure for every, I don't know, thirty hours of overtime, you get another full paycheck. So, does she need eighty thousand dollars? No, there's most of America lives on less than fifty thousand bucks. You could go get yourself a little one-bedroom apartment somewhere in the middle of nowhere or somewhere and work at Walmart for 11 bucks an hour or some other place for less money and have a better life. I'm not making the money that I was making at, at uh, Solera. At Solera, I made 900000 bucks last year. I wouldn't come close to it, but I tell you, I would rather have calls with you than calls with Tony or anybody else. <laughs> okay. I mean, these are enjoyable. They're fun. Like yeah. therapy. Right, right. Okay. Uh, next thing you have here, and you've talked about this a little bit before, but um, it says, when did it become acceptable to let others dictate your success? And that sounds like the gal you're just talking about, that sounds like she's kind of letting others dictate her success. Completely. And so many people do that. You don't get that promotion. You say, oh, well, I guess I'm just not the right person for it. And you get passed over a number of times. And they start getting mad and getting this rage again. And, and instead of doing something about it, you didn't tell all your friends and all these people how you've been cheated and how horrible it is and they don't appreciate you. Well, it's not their job to promote you. It's your job to promote you. If you can't get it at this company, there's always another one. Right. It says here, if you get a bad mark on performance management or an annual review, to fill a spot on a bell curve. <laughs> Ignore yeah. it. You do, you determine your own performance and worth. Bosses see less than 10% of what you do. Why let them mess with your mind by rating 100% of your work? The day you stop living by other people rating you is the day you find freedom. Wow, yeah, that's true. a big one right there. I, I, I think I wrote that on my phone when, when I, had, I had talked to somebody who was really, really mad that they had come to this company and they, the company says we only hire top performers, we hire the top 10%. And so they got into the company and they'd been there for about nine months and they did the performance review and they had this little, you know, forced ranking stuff. Right. Okay, so because they were new, they only had nine months of performance stuff. They said, oh, you just meet expectations. And the guy says, no, I come here. I try to be a good, great performer. I get here at like 7 in the morning, I leave at 8 o'clock at night, and you're telling me that's meets expectations. But then the guy who's sitting down there, he gets a, an outstanding. He gets in at 8 o'clock and leaves at 4 o'clock every day. No reason he got an exceeds or outstanding because he's been there for 20 years. Now, I, I then, of course, went back and I said, well, maybe he's more efficient than you. <laughs> he's like, no, I'm always correcting his work. So, that's... It's just a, a stupid HR game that we play with force rankings, and here's our people, here's our talent. If you don't right. like so it, what, find somewhere what, else. What, yeah, what ended up happening when he spoke up against a, I wouldn't say a bad not, performance review, but just an average one. You know, nothing. He they told him, well, you're new to the company, and you haven't you haven't been here long enough, and he responded back, well, you you only hire top performers, so maybe what you should do. It's hire bad performers because you already have enough top performers. Just hire some bad performers to fit the bottom of the bell curve. Now, he has a good relationship with the boss, so he could joke around like that. And he has no fear of getting fired. But it, is, it just emotionally gets you. You, you. you let that rating on a bell curve bother him. 
when he gets to the point where he's learned enough in this job to get promoted to the head of HR or the head of whatever he's in finance, he's like the finance guy, uh, chances are he's going to go somewhere else anyways. So why does it matter? And and when you when you interview for a job, they never ask for your last performance rating, ever. If they did, right. you'd say, yeah, I, our company only hires top performers. I've been there for five years. I think I'm doing pretty good. Right. Nobody's going to ask for it. And then here's another little stat for you. Here's a really funny stat. At a bunch of different companies I've worked at, we've looked at the promotion. Who gets promoted in the company? And most of the time, it's just your middle-of-the-road performer gets promoted. And we think it's not statistically proven, but I think it's because you get a top performer who's in a job. Why would you want that top performer to leave that job? Because now you don't have a top performer in that job anymore. You right. want them to stay. So being a top performer isn't all that it's cut out to be. You kind of get held back. So so mediocrity gets promoted. They do, and you, and you spend all that time with mediocre performers, trying to get them coached and trained. Top performers, as one of my buddies there, top performers because they want to be. It's important to them to do a great job. Mediocre performers, why you're spending all your time with these folks. Right. So I think in the, in the bad news thing, remember the bad news you said what mediocre people do or bad performers is they plant seeds to scare the top performer. Yes, yes. And that's how they yes. get ahead. Is the promotion right. coming up? Oh, well, we're going to relocate. Uh, they're going to fire people. Okay, I'm out of here. And now your competition is gone. Now the mediocre person gets promoted. Sure, sure, sure. So great, did you just, great strategy. So did you just wake up one morning and say, screw this shit? Kind of. I had a little guidance. Um, I I think it was in, geez, when was it? Uh, American Family Insurance. I was probably 25 or so. And I was just tired of it. I, just, I can't handle this anymore. I'm done. And I decided to be a top performer. I, decided, I started reading lots of books. Uh, when I when I got a little bit older at Home Depot, I started interacting with authors and I started helping them. And I just said, screw it. I'm going to own my own life. I, I grew as I, I was talking to Cynthia yesterday about this, all the excuses in the world. People say, oh, these these people are bad. They're criminals because of their environment. I said, that's the biggest amount of BS in the world. They could choose if they want to be a criminal. I grew up as a free lunch kid. And actually, my original book that I was going to write was uh, How to Go from a Free Lunch Kid to Success or something like that. Because I I should not be in my position at all. I grew up poor, single family. A lot of my family has been in jail. Um, one of my family wow. members has been in, in jail for, let's see, 18 years. 18 years. He's a pedophile. Probably belongs in there. But I'll never get out. Uh, but that, I'll put this in the book. You can say family members you want to. It's actually my brother. So he, my brother grew up in the same house as I did. Why is he that way and why am I this way? And it's easy. I decided what I was going to do. He let his. He said, oh, I don't care. I'm going to do whatever I want. Uh, no planning, no strategy, not thinking long term. He did stupid shit. There's lots of people that do that. Our prisons are filled. And I agree with the racism all the stuff that people were talking about. But at the end of the day, you are in charge of your own success or your own failures. You decide what you want and what you let into your world and what you let out. Right. Or kick out. Right, right, right. Are so, motivated so yet? What you're telling people is, or telling your reader, is empowering yourself. And and you're so right, Chris, because, you know, nobody's going to, like, tap you on the shoulder and say, I now dub the CEO or, you know, or business owner or whatever. It's like you have to summon up the courage to do these things for yourself. Yeah, and it's true. And, and the one thing that I learned, and I guess that's my very luck. This is the lucky part. I mean, it's not rage-related or anything. The thing that I learned when I went left college and I worked at Walmart stores and I started being in that position where I interact with all these leaders is none of those leaders got there accidentally. They, no, no one just said, oh, I'm a CEO now or a VP or I'm a director. I, I observed that on, in all their offices, the higher up they were, the more books they had. 
the more training material they had, the more lunches they were going out to. And right. then it kind of clicked with me that, well, these guys are, are preparing themselves for the next level. And this one guy um, told me that, that uh, you, should, you should do your job, but then do the next job also at the same time. So that when you start a job, 90% of your time is learning the job and getting ready. After about four or five months, you, you now know your job, so now you should be raising your hand to do things that the next level would do, or two levels up. If you're an analyst, after five or six months, raise your hand and, and take on a project management role implementing something. If you're in finance and you're a finance manager, ask to, to lead a 10K or something. That would be at that mm-hmm. next level up. Because then when the, when the promotion comes, they're going to say, oh, we need to fill this. And who the heck can we fill it with? Well, we already got this guy. He's doing half the job already. Right, right, right. So the next thing here on the, on the outline, it says, what are you doing to make people part of the culture? Get rid of the bureaucracy, the BS, and the culture becomes easier, right? Yeah, all right, so tell me about how you kind of have this sense of inclusiveness to kind of bring people into a new culture while at the same time getting rid of bureaucracy and BS. Now you have to decide what your culture is going to be. Unfortunately, a lot of people decide their culture is going to be full of BS and bureaucracy. It's going to be Step full one. of what? It, a lot of people take, remember we, we talked earlier today about Insanity is easier to get to. You just kind right. of do whatever, right? BS and bureaucracy is easier because all you have to do is walk around and talk to people and act like you're doing something. The harder part is going to be this is how we're going to act. If you're not going to be part of the game, then you need to get out and just making that stand. And we talked weeks and weeks ago about my stand of my team was always part, protection, action, results, and timeliness. That's what we do. That's what we're based on. That's our culture. In order to do that, we've got to be direct with each other. We've got to be honest. We have to help each other out. We have to call each other out. We have to recognize. We've got to have fun. If you're not going to be part of that, then you've got to go. Right. Right. So, that's, so I, I think that's how you cut through. You, you, you set what you stand for. So me talking to Tony, I, I brought him into my culture. I said, Tony, I don't stand for you yelling at me. I don't stand for your spit on my plate or on my face. You're either you're going to come over here and stop doing that, or I'm going to go. And he stopped doing it. Mhm. Mhm. How do you get rid of the bureaucracy? Sometimes that seems like it's so entrenched. You just got to call it out. Call it out for what it is. You can't change unless until you identify it. And look at the things that we already talked about. You can't. You can't lose weight until you identify, well, geez, if I stop eating a pizza a day or drinking all this alcohol. Right. Identify right. the bureaucracy. Where is it coming from? And then call it out. I, I, I used to, when I was a kid, and the, now that I'm older, I, I understand this, but I remember like I, I would go to these, these events, and they're church-related, and people would go up on the stage with, with their cigarettes, and they'd say, you know, today I, I prayed about it. I'm done with cigarettes. They throw their stuff. It's just on TV all the time, too. And then they praise God, blah, 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 and all stuff. What they were doing was calling out the bureaucracy in their life, the, the things that was holding them back. And then they, they would go on, and to me, it was just, I was a teenage kid. I'm like, well, this is annoying and boring and set up. But now that I'm older, wiser, and no more adult, they get stuck. And then when they finally get to the point where they say, I'm done, they go out there and tell people that they're done because they want the world to know I'm done and you can't come into that world anymore. It's like they're claiming yep. it, you know. They're claiming right? it. They put their flag in. Bam. Right. My flag is right. uh, my flag is in sanity land. This is how you act in my same world. If you don't like it, go find your other land. Right. Like when you say bureaucracy, I think of like red tape and layers of unnecessary garbage and, you know, that's what I think of. I just want to make sure we're on the same, the same yeah, page yeah, with that. Yeah, it's the same thing. It's cut through red tape. So let's talk about business world. Let's, let's, let's say that you need five levels of approvals to get somebody to pay increase. And you know the person's looking at a job, they're going to leave. 
and then you 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 cut through and say, "I'm not going to do this anymore. I know this is our process. This is stupid." I go give the person mm-hmm. a pay increase, and then I say, "This is why I did it. We need to change this. Here's why." And people like to get rid of bureaucracy. Actually, I think people make bureaucracy sometimes just to get rid of it. Some people make it to, so they can be mediocre, and they have a safe spot, a safe place. So if they have this bureaucracy, they're safe. Right. Right. It would have find find your bad performers. Right. Like that that fictitious so, yeah. person that exists in every company. I can't do it exactly. because the policies say I shouldn't do it. Well, the policies don't talk. They didn't say anything. That some bozo right. put that on a piece of paper and said you couldn't do it. That person probably doesn't even work here anymore. Stop doing it. Do you think certain levels of red tape they end up being in place? You know, like, you know, nobody purposely said let's have five levels so somebody can get a pay increase. It just kind of like works out that way by default, you know. Sometimes I think I think it's more that something happened one time, and because that one thing happened, we changed everything. Right, right. Somebody didn't get the right approval. They t- they put in all these checks and balances, and it's it's it yeah, turns too out too many. So somebody, a manager, gave somebody an increase, or the manager wanted to increase. The boss approved it, and the boss's bosses approved it. And then the CEO says, "I've known that guy for twenty years. We should be firing him, not giving him the increase. You should ask me for the increase." And then that sets the stage of what's acceptable and what's not. So I say, "Oh, well, the CEO has to approve everything now." Right. This brings us to something that that um, originated from Tony, and you wanted to kind of like rename it. You know, we haven't talked about it in a long time. It says re-educate, reassign, and remove, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> the three R's. Yeah. The three R's. That's different than what Tony, the, the words Tony used, right? Re-educate, yeah. reassign, and remove. Okay, so we're okay with that. Yeah, his so. is- um, I forget. Redeploy. Remo- I don't know. I think remove is the last one, but the, the first two words are different. Reeducate, reset. And you want an R word, obviously, because you got like this nice little alliteration thing going on. Let me just play yeah. with that just a second here. Uh, eradicate. I mean, it's not an R, but it's E R. You know. Let's type in here if you can find. Valera three R's. What are they? Reeducate, reassign, and remove. Yeah. Well, we don't have to decide that today, but, you know, it's like we wanted to make sure we weren't using the exact same words as Tony. So. Yeah, I might have just found it. Let's see. Repay, repair. Uh, we will find new words. But his was uh, something redeploy or remove. So that, I mean, you can use this for an employer. You can use it for yourself. Re-educate yourself. If things aren't going well, it's not a good fit for you. Reassign like yourself. Your, Get a new job. <laughs> or you, prepare yourself for the next job. Or, or, you know, or, or we'll go to the here. Hold on. I'm just lost. All right. So reeducate yourself, reassign yourself to things that that are are meaningful, and if all that stuff doesn't work, remove yourself. And that goes for employees too. You got somebody who's not performing. You have a me- mediocre person. There's lots of education. Reeducate them because what they're doing, they probably got educated in, and they're probably educated incorrectly. Nobody really goes to work. I don't think they do. Probably ninety nine percent don't go to work to piss people off. They just go to work to make money, do the job. Now they don't always do the job that well. Somebody trained them to do it a certain way. I was actually talking to the Freeman people 
in the new VP of Total Rewards said how horrible the VP of Comp was. She's been in the role for six months. She has all this stuff. She goes in 50 different directions. Her grading structure is, makes no sense. And I said to her, well, that's probably what has been accepted, and that's, that's how she was trained. So you need to maybe retrain her and think about you know, how, how this was done in the past and then how you need to be done in the future. That's the re-educating. Everybody always needs to get re-educated. Things change. Systems change. And then uh, what was the next one? Reassign. Reassign. Maybe she's not right for the job anymore. Maybe she's too complex. Maybe she's too mathematical. Put her in finance. There might be a fit for her. You get some of these companies that are huge. They get Walmart. There's always a job for somebody for every skill set in the world. That's right. in the military. People are like, I don't ever want to work at Walmart. It's such a crappy company. I would never work in the stores. But, but what if you're a marketing person? That's a great marketing place. What if you like to buy stuff? You got a billion-dollar credit card. That's the place to go. Sure. <laughs> Resign sure. yourself. Okay. And if it's just not yeah. for you, and there's people that are in jobs that just don't belong in jobs, uh, my my friend Jess MacArthur, you probably put her in the book. Uh, she was a uh, she was a first grade teacher, and I, I had met with her. She's a friend of my wife's, and she told me about how much she just hated teaching. She went to school for these kids and thought that she loved hanging out with kids, but she really hated the administration, all the politics of schools. I said, "Well, you're the wrong wrong field. You need to be in HR. It's just technical." So now Jess is like a the senior HRS comp person making $97,000. If she was a teacher, she'd probably be making 35000 bucks. But she reassigned herself to somewhere that she fit. Or not she removed herself. So she, she re-educated herself and the technology stuff. She couldn't find a fit at the school, so she removed herself and went to, uh, to advanced auto parts. So in so five years, next, she had tripled her income. Wow. So the next thing you, you have here um, on the outline is it says, you know, you don't win the Super Bowl by giving away your play, the playbook. And I think it's kind of interesting because we're in the week of the World Series right now. But yeah. um, tell me a little bit more about that. It's like, it sounds like what you're saying is there's some things you need to kind of hold close to the vest. I think so. I'm trying to remember why I wrote that down. Because you want you want to help people out by sharing as much as possible. Hmm. I don't know. Let's, I don't want to stop myself. Now, why did I write that at that moment? Um. Well, maybe. See, I'm thinking it's like yeah. There's some things where you do share everything with your people so they're well informed and all of that stuff. But as far as like your own strategy personally, it's like you hold it a little bit closer in. I don't you know, know. What do you think? That 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 might be it too. I think when you're looking at personal development and and you you've X out some of your five friends, you have new friends coming in, you're re surrounding yourself by people. You need to tell everybody why you're doing it. It's it's your thing. It's if it's personal it's for you. Okay, so like per, personal growth things, um, you know, and it's, interest, it's interesting. I went to a little, you know, business networking meeting yesterday, and there's this woman there who's uh, sort of like a life coach and everything. And uh, at the end of the meeting, we all go around and we sort of like give testimonials and recommendations for people. And, I mean, I've never, like, worked with her as a life coach, but I've been to a workshop that she's given and everything. And I said, you guys, talk to Joy. Your business growth doesn't happen any faster than your your personal growth, you know. Interesting. I don't know if that's so, true. And my Amazon stock's going up pretty well today. You know, hi. What's um, that? I said, I don't know if I agree with that, my... My Amazon stock is doing pretty good today, and it has nothing to do with my education. Oh, okay. But I, maybe on the playbook. So, what was I doing when I when I wrote that? I, uh, I, I may have have been talking to somebody because they talk to people about all kinds of things that they're working on or doing. And I know some people will tell me their marriage counseling or this stuff. And they like, you don't need to tell me that. 
Now you're, it's going to work for you, but you don't need to tell everybody every little bloody detail of what you're doing because you're, you're going to set these perceptions too. Right. You want people to know you're in marriage counseling? You and actually, the funny thing is, I think I told you before, I'm surrounded by counselors here. I see people come and go. And they always kind of keep their head down because they don't want people to see them. It's an embarrassment, I guess. Or, or right. your kids in counseling, or you're, you're having, you're going in to get your stomach stapled. People don't need to know that. How are you going to get to your your sanity land? Get the people, help them out. They help you out. You decide what's right for you, and you don't need to tell every place. Right, right. All I mean, right. Super Bowl is actually so, interesting because, or baseball, we're in the World Series. Everybody knows that the pitcher has to shoot the ball really fast. The, the the guy who who's swinging, right? He has to hit a home run or get on base, but the pitcher wants to not to get that. So they do all those signals, right? Mm-hmm. With the, the, the catcher. So what they're doing is, well, in their world of sanity, he's throwing the ball. He's going to try to get him to miss it. As in the playbook, everybody knows they're doing something, but they don't really know what they're doing. It kind of keeps a little secret, but makes them more successful. I'm digging for this one. I don't really remember where I put it down. <laughs> it was important at the time. Right. Well, I do think that's true about, you know, there's certain things in your personal life, you know, that you kind of hold close to the vest, you know, because mm-hmm. they they might appear to, like, show a certain, I don't know, vulnerability or something, you know. So, anyway. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move forward here. Um, next thing here on your outline, it says everyone needs a reset period and the world needs to see a new person. Correct. Yes, I agree. I wrote it. Of course I agree. You, you know, what, that, what that means, you, you need to step away from the people around you and from your environment to allow yourself to become new. When, before I started this company, did I tell you what I did? After I left Solera? Uh, no, tell no. me. I Ubered. I'm like, I, I need to get away from oh, the Oh, that's right. You did tell me that. Yeah, so I went and I, I Ubered for about a month. I, I, you know, off and on for that month period. I went out fishing. I went out visiting some friends. I, I, I found my alone time. I, you know, I was going out to this, this lake. It's Grapevine Lake here. And they have this place called Big Daddy's. And I... I'd sit out there and have a soda and a burger and fries and and pay two bucks for the cat food so I could feed the ducks. But it allowed me to kind of decompress and figure mm-hmm. out where I wanted to go, what I was going to do. I was noodling around this company and the company's name. And then I came out a new person. Every time I leave a job, I think every time people leave a job, they should you say about it in the, the other chapter, you need to sit down and reflect and like, what am I not going to do anymore? What did I fail at this company? And everybody fails at companies. And I failed so many times at companies. You write a second book on all the times Chris Moses failed at doing something. <laughs> so, um, all right. So how did, you know, I, I just have to wonder, how did your wife and your family sort of handle that little period of time with you? Oh, it was great. Uh, I, I got uh, in the fight with Tony on April 13th which is my wife's birthday. So I actually, I went out, got her uh, those Pandora bracelet things that, that she likes. Oh, Pandora, that, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I, I think... Those are pretty. I, I yeah, I call it trinket trash, but she likes that she's the wife. She's happy, happy wife, happy life. Right, uh, right. <laughs> so, so, so um, I, went, I went at lunch and got that. I knew... That that was the day because Tony had fought the night before that it was going to go down, and I came back within like an hour. It was all over, and I came home and sat on the back, kind of reflected for a couple hours, drank a whiskey or two. And uh, when she came home, I said, "Happy birthday! I had two gifts for you." And I gave her that one. She said, "What's the second one?" I said, "Well, I just got fired." And she's like, "Really? Like, Great!" Because <laughs> oh, all, really? All the, okay. Well, she was like. All the the anger, like being stressed out, and being as she called grumpy Chris from working for Tony. Like I'd always have so many things going on that I really couldn't focus on the family. I couldn't focus on what my kids were doing or help out the house as much as she'd like me to. So when I when I when I got 
whack a root there, what Antonia agrees that we're going separate ways. Um, she was pretty excited about it. Good. It was, it was, Good. It was time for me to change. And it, I, I've always said to to people like managers, so I can't fire this. I can't do that to the person. Firing is not doing something to the person. You're doing it for the person. They're not fitting in. There's something that's not right. There's a performance sure. issue. There's a personality issue. Tony and I was a personality issue. I just couldn't take him anymore, and I told him that. It was crazy. Uh, so by him letting me go and giving me all that severance stuff, he was doing it for me to give me my freedom back. And mm-hmm. that's what I have now. I have my freedom. It's nice. It's good. That's good. So the next thing it says here, it says, the strong never die of fear. Yeah. The strong never die of fear, you know. And and fear absolutely kills a lot of people, you know, for all the opportunities they didn't take and all the things that they could have done, could have, would have, should have, yeah. all that, you know. The strong never die of fear. So they might die of something else. You know? they, they might die of something else, but if you're if you're strong, this actually I, I remember writing this quote down. I, I had watched a military movie, and it was actually it was a very sad movie. And they they mentioned it in the news recently. It's called Taking Chance. Have you ever seen that movie? Um, I don't think I've seen it, but I remember the movie title. Yeah. So what it's about is this guy named Chance. Uh, he was in the military. And they don't even show the, the war scene or anything. It's, it's very a calm, quiet, H.O., make you tear-jerk movie. And um, and Chance had died, and Kevin Bacon volunteered to be uh, Chance's escort from Dover Air Force Base to Wyoming, and he goes with the body until the burial, and you see really what happens and for when, when a military person dies, how their body's iced, and it goes here, gets re-iced, they put uniforms on them. They, they make them nice and pristine. But the, as they talked through this movie about Chance on how he died, he was getting shot at. And instead of going under the car and, and quivering, he just stood up and started shooting back. And, and at the end, it, the, his buddy who was in the fight with him said, yes, he, was just, he just got up. We're all getting down and getting ready to shoot. And he's just standing there shooting at the enemy. I mean, he, he, he didn't die because he was afraid. But people, I think, and that kind of clicked with me. I was thinking, how many people die, like mentally die, at their jobs or at their families because they're afraid of something stupid? Right. We're afraid we get fired. Okay, well, right. good. Go, go, if you're afraid you're going to get fired, get up and go do something about it. Go talk to your boss. Say, uh, we're not getting along. Or go take on another project or... Do something to add value, which you mentioned in the other chapter. Right, right. Cowards get fired. The the next thing on the outline is kind of like a a shift, which is interesting, you know, towards the end, is you have the word humility and then a good example and a bad example, all right? Mm -hmm. So, like, you need, you know, sort of this courage and this confidence and speaking up and speaking out and everything, but tell me, before we get into the good and the bad example, why you feel humility is important. Because you, if, you're, if you're having the rage and it's, and it's really bothering you, you need, to, you need to be humble with yourself. Chances are it's your fault. Like most of the things that, that happen around you is because of you. And lots, there are some things that you can't control, the weather, for example. But when it comes to your personal life and your business life, your family life, all that stuff is, is you. You sit back and say, what did I do? And now I'm kind of sound like Larry with this whole go talk to the person in the mirror thing. But it's, it's kind of like a step back, and you've got to ask a lot of questions. And the thing that Darren taught me, I think Darren's on here, right? Uh, Darren asked so many questions, ten times more questions than he gave answers. And I always thought that was interesting, and I kind of applied that to, well, what about me? Am I asking myself enough questions or am I just giving myself answers and doing these kind of emotional decisions? So like the knee-jerk responses. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you've ever worked with somebody, a boss, or have a spouse or whoever's around you, all I do is give you answers. They're called a know-it-all. I'd rather work around a know-nothing person who's always asking questions because then 
it makes me think to ask questions. And then I get better and they get better. Right. Your good example here, of course, is Darren, CEO of Advanced Auto Parts, um, who always said, I need you to help me get smarter. And you're also saying he asked lots and lots of questions. Tons. He'd come to my office and we'd be there for 30 minutes or more than an hour. This guy's making $9 million a year and he'd sit in my office for an hour. And 90% of the meeting is him asking questions about the bonus plan, how things work, why they were done that way. And I'm answering it to him. And But then I, let's say he says, Chris, why were the bonus plans set up that way? I don't understand. Make me smarter. He wasn't accusing me that the bonus plans were set up wrong. He just didn't know. But then I started like, thinking. Help me, help me understand. Help me understand before I make a decision. And then I started thinking, why were they set up that way? Let me think. <laughs> and then I go, right. and I, I know why. But then after he leaves, I start calling people and say, hey, just let's make sure. Why do we do it this way? And why do you feel we need to do this? And why, why, why? I don't know. There's lots of questions to be asked, and the more you ask, the more you learn. Right, right. And then, of course, your bad example, you know, and I know who this is, company leader uh, Company leader, uh, said he was aggressively humble, you know. Of course, he's the same guy who said violence is good, right? Um, yeah. said he was aggressively <laughs> humble and would berate employees in a group setting by yelling at them and belittling them while his Ferrari was in viewing distance of the employees, which doesn't seem very humble, you know. I agree. Correct. <laughs> yeah, he, anyway. I, I, one thing that he, I thought very funny that he did, uh, they had a, there was a town hall, and the, the head of HR and him were leaving the town hall. So and it was it was recorded because he wanted to use the town hall for for something else uh, for for like communication with the rest of the company. And so after the town hall was done, he left. He was really grumpy. And then he came back that night and talked to the head of HR, brought the video, sat there and yelled at her for hours about everything in the video. You're standing wrong. Your hair is wrong. You're stuttering. You don't have a good. It's like he was a football coach yelling at this person like. What are you trying to get out of this? The video is the video. Why don't you sit there? Take, if you took a more humble approach, you'd ask more questions. Why do we do it this way? Why is your hair that way? What can I learn from? How can I get better? How can we work better as a team? Instead of working better as a team, Mr. Unhumble thinks he's like the rock star and she's making him look bad. I'm sure she enjoyed getting yelled at for two hours. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people would just kind of, you know, shrivel up and cry, <laughs> right? Yeah. After two hours of that. So anyway, good, good. So closing thoughts in your mind about um, how to use the rage and make it better or what works and why. Um, hold on here, let me shut that down. What works and why? Closing thoughts. If If everything is super comfortable for you, you're probably in a relatively insane environment because of where most people are. Uh, you need to start finding things that, that hurt to change and then tell people. You need to, I mean, we talked about this already. I think the, the most important thing that you do is, is get people out of your life. Go find new people. People are going to make you better. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, sometimes I'll say get used to being uncomfortable. You yeah, know? I've heard that before. Get used to being uncomfortable. Right. And I, I think it's fine to get comfortable in certain area like if if you're healthy and stuff you're comfortable that it's a healthy land then you, you're comfortable that's that's fine i what i, what I thought was interesting my grandfather told me this one day when i was a kid and there's this this lady who's who's always running i used to say she doesn't need to run why does she run i see her, we see her every morning and this is her running was really cool but those were things she exercises she's skinny she's in shape had great blood pressure and he said, "If you, it, some, I don't know the exact words, but it's the effect of if if she didn't run, where would she be? And in order to, when you get somewhere, you got to stay there, and staying there is not the easiest thing." Right. Right. Okay. But um, one one thought that popped into my mind that you know I've said over and over again is that owning a business is kind of like being in the biggest kick butt personal growth seminar every day. 
So anyway, I, you know, I would say at this stage of my life it's not, but back in my, like, early 40s, you know, when I was mm-hmm. really, like, pushing the pedal to the metal, it was, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, Since this is my first time running a business, it's, I mean, it's kind of, it's fun. It's like, what's around the next corner? I only have like right. six or seven serious clients that are paying me, but I'm making good money. I, I, I don't have any stresses during the day at all, ever. Uh, I mean, it's, it's different. I've heard we talked about earlier about getting rid of all the stuff and, and reflecting. And th- this is kind of where I would like to be. I'm, I'm right now, I'm always drinking when I'm talking to you with this time it's Fuji water. So I'm, sit- I'm sitting here drinking a Fuji water, which is ridiculously expensive. It costs like 12 bucks for a case of this crap. And, I bought it because I could, and I've never had it right. before. <laughs> right. Why is that twelve bucks? Let's go figure it out. I'm gonna, gonna buy a case of this. I'm sitting on right. a couch. I've got a meeting, a lunch meeting. I oh, here's something funny. I have a meeting after this at eleven o'clock with a radio DJ who wants to interview me about the Sandy stuff of the syndicated radio program. I'm like that's cool. that's cool. So yeah, I don't that's think cool. business is, is like horrible or hard. You can make it hard, and if you make it harder, then you're probably insane. I'm trying to take yeah. every time, every day. I kind of look at my stuff. And says, "Is this making me better or worse? Is it going to make me insane?" I don't really say it that way, but it's, it's kind of why, why am I doing this? And right. I uh, confidentially between you, you and me, I outsource half of my work. Now I have Cynthia working for me, so she can do it. But I'm sending stuff up through Upwork, and I, I'm working 20 hours a week, maybe 30. And then I have these other people working other hours. So it's been nice. Right. Right. Nice. My, my, nice. Well, what what happy Gilmore say? Uh, find your happy place. Good. Good. So I want to get you uh, one more chapter before I leave on my trip Monday. Okay. Um, so at any rate, um, I want to get you one more chapter. And um, why don't we schedule something... Are you traveling at all the week of Thanksgiving? Yeah, I'll be in Orlando at Disney. Oh, okay. And are you going to be there the whole week or what? Yep. You, what? Yeah, we leave okay. on Saturday and come back on Saturday. Okay. All right. Yeah, you know, here, yeah. in, here in Las Vegas, it's like the, the schools are closed all week long. Yep, ours you are know? too. I mean, yeah, going, to, and, going to Orlando during Thanksgiving when all the kids are off around the country, is probably not the most sane decision I've ever made. Right, right, right. So let's schedule something then after you get back. Um, that would be the week of November the 27th. Yeah, all right. Okay. Um, Just how about we pick do it a day on and Monday? put it on the calendar. Yeah, how about we do it on Monday the 27th at our normal time, 10 o'clock your time? Okay, that's fine. Okay. How many chapters are, do we have left? I don't know. Let me let me look here. I think we're more than more than halfway. So hold on here. Uh, defining the problem. That's chapter one. We haven't done that yet. Um, even though I think we've defined the problem, but you know, there's a chapter on that. Do, 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 do. Uh, chapter thirteen. Total rewards, bonus plan, connecting with people. Okay, so that's the second one. Chapter 16, so that's the third one. Chapter 17, the fourth one. Chapter 18, so five of them. Okay. Okay. All right, so I would would say by uh, by Christmas we'll be, um, you know, we'll be done with these and then, you know, we'll go through some more, you know, like the final edits and, I mean, I think there's some things where you said you liked it, but it's like you wanna you wanna look at it again just to make sure there aren't changes to make, and you know. Yeah, there's, that there's different things in it. Like I wanted to make. We talked earlier about having different sections where they could write stuff in if they had a book. They were right. you in the situation, write your five things down or something. Uh, so now, making since it, you've making done, it you've done like this for a while. It. Yeah, we can have a couple of those in there. Uh, They've been doing this, for, so you've been writing books for a while and stuff, and you've been talking to me for a while. Do you think this book has any hope for actual sales, or is it just something I'm going to give away? Do you think a publisher would well, actually pick this up? I think that your personality in it is 
is going to be great, you know. And I also think you're just like frankness and honesty. I mean, I think there's a lot of books out there that will tell you to like suck it up no matter what kind of thing. And, I mean, you're saying, I mean, if a situation really is impossible, it's time to, time to get out and do something different, you know. It's, it's the same thing, you know, like with, uh, when people talk about goal setting. You know, it's like, oh, if you don't succeed at the goal, you're, you know, you're a failure. Well, I mean, sometimes you need to stop throwing good money after bad, you know, <laughs> go a new direction. So, um, anyway, it, you know, it's all about the marketing, really. Yeah. I mean, Chris, it's all, it's all about the marketing, how much time and energy you're willing to put or uh, resources or whatever into marketing. Um, it's definitely not a book for everyone. It's a book for business professionals, you know. Yeah. So, and not right. everybody is a business professional, you know, as far mm-hmm. as the target market, you know. But, yeah. but I think it could really have legs because, you know, your personality comes through. I think you've got some great suggestions and ideas for readers and things like that. So I think it, I think it could be really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, cool. You, well, you're paid to say that. Thanks. Well, <laughs> I'm, just, but, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but you know, it really, it really has a lot to do with marketing. You know, I mean, that's that's just like any product or service. You know. Yeah. So, anyway. Well, I'm changing my website and my business name in the next couple of weeks, and then I have a section on coaching, and I want I was gonna that's when this is done. Put the book down in the coaching section and. Have have some different spiel around it. Um, here's here's something funny for, that we're going to do for the coaching section. We, we were talking yesterday about we need pictures, real pictures of us, and actually us doing things. And for coaching, I'm working like on a tagline that coaching is done inside and outside the business, so you can get away from the business or something. I don't know like it sound like. And I'm going to take a picture of me with somebody. Not sure who it'll be looking as though we're coaching and we're talking outside the Slayer offices. Just to kind of cool. snub them a little bit. Because it, it okay. remains out of the building. It's just a building and it has probably 20 different businesses in there. But they'll notice it's their building. You know, my little tagline is about, so you have to get out of that place. Right, right, right. I, You know, I mean, I know that as people go along with their book and they kind of go through this process with me, it's like they get more excited about it and everything, you know. And keep in mind that when you, or when we originally connected, you were like, you know, this book isn't going to sell. I'm mostly going to give it away to prospective clients yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, so but, which is fine. I just want if it if they read it, because that, that's where I think we're going to well make money is if they read part of it. Or it sounds interesting to them. Right, right. And it'd be, and, it'd be cool yeah, if I had a book. Kind of taking that next step to um, connect with you and, you know, talk with you about becoming a client. Yeah, so I wanted to use the book, which I actually might come out at the right time if I can figure out how to how to get into this and give a spiel at, like, Sherm or at World at Work about the, the insanities of HR and the dumb things we do. Right, right. I'm sure Sherm, you know, I see their ads all the time. Um, I'm sure they have like big meetings and conferences and they things do. like that. You know. Yep. So anyway. Cool. Yeah. Looks yeah. Be fun. I, I think of you every time I see those ads and you know, there was a spot in the chapter that I just sent you where, you know, I mean and when we have these conversations we're pretty casual and comfortable with each other. But it was like what you said to me and was in the recording was like not the most flattering thing. Oh, you said I've, I've only been in business a few months or something like that, you know, yeah. and, and I'm doing great, you know. And I turned that to um, I've been in business less than a year. I mean, I tried to make it like a little bit more flattering, you know. Yeah, true. Well, we could adjust some of those things. But now the, on the last chapter, I, thought I enjoyed it. Like there's things in there that we have to tone differently. Cause I, I talked about how is corporate's not for me and all this other stuff, but maybe corporate's for the reader. And am I, is that section, those, those two or three paragraphs going to turn the reader away and say, well, he's telling me that corporate sucks and I shouldn't be in corporate. And that's not really what I'm telling them. 
you know, if you're in corporate, you got to make it work. Right, right. So, yeah, you, you know, I mean, and you have kind of recently made this, oh, you know, sort of take this job and shove it decision with your life. So naturally, you're going to be kind of on the side of, you know, go out there and create a new life for yourself kind of thing, you know. Yeah, and you can, you can create your life within the corporate world. But I have to jump because I have an 11 o'clock meeting with a radio person. So it was great talking okay. to you. All right. Have a great yeah. interview, and I'll talk to you when I get back. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.